0: Father in heaven, we thank you so much for bringing us here this Sabbath, and I pray in a special way that you will be with us. Please send your spirit to guide us, and I pray that you would speak through me that the words spoken would not be my words, but yours, and that your spirit would be reflected in this message. This is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of today's message is Moses, the Servant of God. Moses, the servant of God. And who was Moses? I think we know. But what was so special about him? What made Moses the great man, the great leader of God that he became? And I want us to study a little bit more into who Moses was and how it applies to our lives. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 15, verses 2 and 3. Revelation chapter 15, verses 2 and 3. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints." Those who gained the victory down at the end of time go through a special experience, and they sing a special song called the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. Therefore, there must be an experience that Moses had that those living down at the end of time also would have experienced. And so I want to know, what was it about Moses that made made him so special? That the people living down at the end of time would be singing the song of his experience. It's a very special experience, a very special song. Not only do they sing the song of Moses, but they are described in the same way as Moses. If you look in Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 2, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Moses was the servant of God. The 144,000 are the servants of God down at the end of time, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. So here we see Moses was the servant of God, the 144,000 of the servants of God. Therefore, there must be a similar experience. So what was it about Moses? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to see just a brief snapshot of some of the things about Moses that made him a mighty man of faith, a mighty man of faith for God. Starting in verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11. for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward starting in verse 23 we see how things started off in the life of Moses that led him to become the mighty man of faith that he was the servant of God that he became it says by faith Moses when he was born was hid 3 months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child And they were not afraid of the king's commandments. I praise God for godly parents. I praise God for parents who seek to raise their children to love and fear God over the things of this world. And sometimes I think as we go through our lives, we forget how important it is when we have a family. How important it is to raise them to love and fear God. And I wanted to read a quote from Patriarchs and Prophets by Ellen White, where she talks about the role of Moses' parents. Page 244. The whole future life of Moses, the great mission which he fulfilled as the leader of Israel, testifies to the importance of the work of the Christian mother. There is no other work that can equal this. So that's a powerful quote no other work can equal the work of a christian mother and i praise god for moses's mother amen and i praise god for all the godly mothers who have lived since that time and have raised their children to love and fear god and sometimes i think we get focused on thinking how great we can be in this world from a professional standpoint but we forget how god sees things and he has a special place in his heart for godly Christian mothers who raise their children to love and fear God. And she goes on to say, the mother is dealing with developing minds and characters, working not alone for time, but for eternity. There's a better life, a better reason, and Moses' mother understood that. You know, I wonder what Moses would have become if his parents had just let him do whatever he wanted they had let him play video games all day, watch TV, watch football for six hours on Sunday. I don't think he would have become the mighty man of God that he became. And I'm thankful for how his parents raised him. Notice in verse 24 and 25. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses had the opportunity to become one of the leaders of Egypt. He could have been a great man of the world. We could be talking about Pharaoh Moses, so to speak, these days. He could have... Um, A museum dedicated in his name, who knows? Um, But here again we see that the way he was raised by his parents so impacted his life. And we know that he lived with his mother for 12 years, just the first 12 years before he went onto the courts in Egypt. Those first 12 years so shaped his mind that when he went into the Egyptian court, Nothing could shake him from what he had been taught in those first 12 years. And so that really underlies the importance as we raise our children who are especially when they're in their formative early years, how important that early training is. And when he got to the, the courts of Egypt, none of the attractions, the pleasures, the parties, any of those things could shake him from wanting to serve the Hebrew God, the God his mother had taught him. And he chose to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And I wonder how many of us, if we were in that same situation, would make that same choice. Moses had the opportunity to gain a great reputation. He could have been revered by the entire kingdom of Egypt, but he chose to pass that by to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And do we have a similar choice to make today? Maybe we're not going to be the king of Egypt, so to speak, in our time. But I do believe that many of us are faced with similar challenges when we're faced with a decision are we going to choose a professional life that will pay us an extremely high salary even if we might have to sacrifice principle or if we have to take a position where we will make a lot less but we will be serving God so many of us in our minds make that decision to go the route of making the high salary being esteemed by people on earth rather than being esteemed of God in heaven. And so that's a choice that we have facing us even now. But, but it's a similar choice that Moses made. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. We are living in the day of atonement, a time to fast and afflict our souls. And so I would challenge you, choose to suffer affliction with the people of God. You won't regret it it's a blessing it may seem like we don't have what other people have but really if God is with you none of the pleasures of this world can replace that and so I'm thankful that Moses set us an example choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season in verse 26 esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Do we have respect for what God wants to reward us with? God is offering us eternal life through the ceaseless ages of eternity. And Moses could have had the most lavish earthly experience that any of us could ever have by being the pharaoh of Egypt. But he chose instead to focus on what he would be blessed with throughout eternity. And that makes me wonder sometimes as I think about my own life. I can often tell for myself what is most important to me by the time I spend thinking about certain things or talking about certain things. And a lot of times I catch myself thinking about and talking about all of the things that i want to accomplish here on this earth all of the things that i want to have in my resume so to speak when i come to the end of my life what did i accomplish here on this earth but that's not what moses was thinking moses was more concerned about how his choices would affect the blessing that he could have throughout the rest of eternity. And I would just encourage all of you, if you don't, if you haven't made it a habit to think about what heaven is going to be like, now's a good time to start. Heaven is something that really is beyond our imagination, the greatest thing we could ever hope for. And if we want to experience it, I would encourage you to be thinking about it now, uh, as opposed to what we want to accomplish in this life. So that was something that was helpful for me as I was studying more into the life of Moses. Now, this kind of gives us a basic overview of some of the choices that Moses made as he lived a life of faith. And we know that God called him to be the leader of his people, to lead them from Egypt into Canaan. And so God had a special work for him to do. And I believe that God has a special work for us to do today as well. God called Moses to call his people out of Egypt, and God is calling us to call his people out of Babylon. To give the three angels messages. To call people to live with, to live a life of faith. Just as Moses called the Israelites out of Egypt to go on to Canaan. And there was, a, there was a few experiences that I wanted to focus on as God prepared Moses to be a leader, a leader of his people. We know that Moses spent the first 40 years of his life in Egypt, and he made the mistake of killing an Egyptian who was um, assaulting a Hebrew slave, and so he then went and spent 40 years in the wilderness, a very valuable time. And sometimes, we want to go out and change the world and just, you know, make a make an immediate impact for God. And, and sometimes God wants us to spend that quiet time in the wilderness first, where we gain that revival, that reformation in our hearts, so that we're ready to lead for God. And so Moses spent those forty years in the wilderness, and then God appeared. To him again one day, starting in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, unto Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I find it interesting that the first lesson that God taught Moses, the servant of God, was the lesson of reverence in God's presence. When Moses came into the presence of God, God told him to take off his shoes. And Moses, in verse 6, hit his face. And I believe that when we come to worship God every week, when we come to church, that we are coming into the presence of God to worship Him. And if God could be here to speak today, but He speaks through His Word, He would say to us, take off your shoes for the place where you stand on is holy ground. We serve an awesome God. Amen. We serve an amazing God. And it's an exciting and awesome privilege to be able to come into His presence every week, corporally to worship Him. And God, all, of, all he asks of us is to come into his presence with reverence and respect. And the first lesson he taught Moses was the lesson of reverence. And so I thought that that was very interesting, that the Bible shows us how God would have us to worship him in his presence. And it's interesting to me sometimes, as I've gone to... To many different churches over the years um, and i've grown up in the church um, sometimes when we come into god's house i'll notice people whispering to each other during the service passing each other notes maybe telling each other a little joke based on what the speaker just said i don't know i know i've done it Um, but i think god would have us to live to a higher standard than that when we come into his presence to worship him and if he was, if God himself was up here, we certainly would have the utmost level of reverence and respect for him. So I, th- I just wanted to point that out. And then noticing verses 6 through 8, God gives the call to Moses to lead his people out of Egypt into Canaan. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land, unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. You know something? God wants to do the same thing for us today. He looks down on this world of sin. He sees all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the pain. And he wants people just like you who like Moses will take that call to go and call his people out of Egypt to a better land. This land that we live in now really truthfully doesn't have much to offer. We have a better place to look forward to. And God wants us to be his servants, the servants of God who will call his people out of Babylon into the heavenly Canaan. And so I would challenge you to be part of that people. An interesting, Another interesting lesson that God taught Moses and that Moses then taught The people, we see that the first lesson that God taught Moses was the lesson of reverence. The first lesson that Moses taught the people after they came out of Egypt was the lesson of the Sabbath. And in Exodus 16, 25 and 26, starting there, a very interesting and practical lesson for us to learn today. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day four to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, Therefore, he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Some of the children of Israel, when they were taught this lesson, went out on the Sabbath to find their food and didn't find any. God was trying to teach a special lesson that on Friday, the preparation day, make that extra preparation for Sabbath. And the children of Israel, of course, were living in the wilderness where there was no food. It was totally barren. We don't have that problem. We have freezers, refrigerators, processed foods, canned food, dried foods, and we don't need to be going out and buying food on the Sabbath. There just is no need for that. God has given us all of the provisions that we need um, to not have to get food on the Sabbath. And sometimes I think we forget the lesson of manna in in the wilderness, the lesson that God gave to the children of Israel. Make those preparations ahead of time so that on the Sabbath you're not on a prepare. That can go for buying gasoline, having the food ready, whatever it may be. Uh, God gave a special lesson To Moses and the children of Israel as they went through, went through from Egypt to Canaan on how to keep the Sabbath. And as he leads us to come out of Babylon to go into the heavenly Canaan, he also wants to teach us the lesson of how to keep his day holy. And so, you know, I've grown up in the church all my life and I think sometimes young people aren't taught or aren't reminded or are never given good reasons for why. You know, we don't go to restaurants on Sabbath or go to amusement parks or whatever it may be. Um, but we have clear evidence and clear reasons from the Bible on why we worship God the way we do. And so as God called Moses to lead his people, one of the things that Moses led his people in was an understanding of the Sabbath. And I'm just hitting on a few points on Moses. Moses is an exo- I mean, we could talk about Moses for a long time. But I wanted to focus on a, a couple of more points before we close. And one of those points is the character of Moses and the quality of his character. In Exodus chapter 32, we see the story of Israel rebelling, of than making the golden calf and worshiping another god. And in verse 7 and 8, the Lord tells Moses that he's angry. And continuing on in verse 9, it says, The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation." Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Moses was so close to God that he could plead to God on the people's behalf. And God listened to him. Moses basically quoted God's word back to him and reminded him, Lord, this is your promise. And if you destroy your people, your name will be dishonored among the heathen. And we need more people like that today who will remind God of his word, who will remind God that he has promised To lead out of, out of people into heavenly Canaan. How many of us are reminding God, Lord, you promised to call a people out of Babylon, to take a movement into heavenly Canaan. I would challenge you to be, when you pray to the Lord, that you would remind him of his word in scripture, that he has promised to do that. And notice in verse 31, Moses finishes his prayer. Says, Moses returned to the unto the Lord and said, "O oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written." Here we really see the character of Moses. Moses was willing to sacrifice his eternal existence so that God's people would be saved and so that god's name would be honored and that's the same character that jesus had on the cross jesus was willing to die forever so that we could be saved so when we think about the servants of god down at the end of time and moses the servant of god there must be a connection there and that connection of course is found in revelation chapter 12 verse 11 speaking of God's people down at the end of time, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Here we see a similar characteristic between Moses, who loved not his life unto the death and was willing to sacrifice his eternal existence and God's people down at the end of time. It really is... It puts things in a different perspective when we think about our lives honoring God's name and bringing glory to his name. And we're more concerned about that than than we are about our own personal salvation. And that was Moses' experience. He was more concerned about God's name and God's honor than he was about his own personal salvation. And that's going to be the same experience of God's people down at the end of time. They loved not their lives unto the death. They would rather that God's name be honored. um, And they're more concerned about that than they are about their own personal salvation, as important as that is. And so Moses lived an amazing life. He led these millions of people. I've heard estimates of like 2 million people, something like that, he led these millions of people through the wilderness. And if you read the, the sermon of Stephen just as before he was stoned in Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8, he quotes Moses where Moses prophesies the coming of the Messiah and where Moses says the Messiah will be like me. And that's the kind of person Moses was. He, God used him to lead Israel through the wilderness and he was a mighty, mighty man of god and ellen white and patriarchs and prophets says that he's one of the greatest men the world has ever known and i wish that the story of moses ended there but it doesn't numbers chapter 20 has a story that i'm sure moses wished did not exist Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse 9. Here we see the story of the children of Israel complaining yet again that they don't have water. And Moses goes into God, and God tells him, Moses, go out and speak to the rock and the water. The rock will bring forth water. So Moses comes out, and in verse 9 it says, Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. What a stiff punishment. Moses had been a faithful leader for 40 years. He had endured the disappointment of Kadesh Barnea when the spies came back with the evil report And although all the other who were over 20 were not going to enter into Canaan, yet he still was going to. And then he comes to the end of that 40 years and God tells him, you can't go in because you made that mistake. How would we respond to something like that if God were to punish us in such a way as that? Well, we know that Moses, his faith remained strong in God. He continued to encourage the people to serve God, and he, remi- he reminded them that their sin had provoked his sin that prevented him from going into Canaan. But an important lesson was taught by God here in this experience. It shows that God is no respecter of persons. No matter who you are, Don't ever think that you're so important that you can act of your own volition against what God has commanded. And Moses had to learn the hard way after being a faithful servant for so many years. And if God had let him go through, the Israelites would have doubted um, basically the justice of God. Well, how come you're letting Moses go through when the people 40 years ago couldn't? Why couldn't you forgive them as well? And so Moses learned the hard way. And yet, as we finish the message, there's just a couple of interesting points about the experience of Moses down at the very end of his life. But before we do that, I wanted to focus on a more modern-day character who shared some very similar characteristics to Moses. You may never have thought of this before, But William Miller, William Miller actually has some very similar characteristics that Moses had. God called William Miller to lead the Advent movement out of Babylon into heavenly canon. He called him to give the loud cry around the time of 1844. And William Miller was used by God in a mighty way to give the first angel's message. And I wish that I could have been alive to hear his sermons. Um, I wish they had tapes of his sermons. Uh, I'm sure they were powerful. And William Miller came to the experience of 1844. And, of course, the Lord didn't come. And they experienced the great disappointment. And after 1844, William Miller was given light on the Sabbath. But William Miller didn't accept it. William Miller was influenced by his human associates, and he felt that if they weren't accepting it, then they couldn't be wrong because they had preached the second coming of Christ with him. And so he trusted in men rather than God. And there's an interesting statement in early writings, starting on page 257. my attention was then called to William Miller. He looked perplexed and bowed with anxiety and distress for his people. The company who had been united and loving in 1844 were losing their love, opposing one another, and falling into a cold, slidden state. As he beheld this, grief wasted his strength. I saw leading men watching him and fearing lest he should re- receive the third angel's message and the commandments of God. He leaned to human wisdom instead of divine, but being broken with arduous labor in his master's cause and age, he was not as accountable as those who kept him from the truth. They are responsible. The sin rests upon him. But notice what she says here. He felt in not receiving the message, which would have fully explained his disappointment and cast a light and glory on the past, which would have revived his exhausted energies, brightened his hope, and led him to glorify god william miller if he had accepted the sabbath message would have been revived and the third angel's message would have gone forth with power and we may not be here now and so she closes by saying moses erred as he was about to enter the promised land so also i saw that william miller erred as he was soon to enter the heavenly canaan and suffering his influence to go against the truth others led him to this others must account for it But angels watched the precious dust of this servant of god he's called a servant of god and he will come forth at the sound of the last trump moses died before entering into canaan so did william miller that was not god's will God wanted to... If you read Patriarchs and Prophets, God would have translated Moses once he reached the Promised Land, if he had been faithful. And he never would have seen death. William Miller, it was God's will that he should have been translated without seeing death. But that didn't happen. God is merciful, and William Miller will be saved. You know something... It's not God's will for us to go into the grave either. God has raised us up to be translated. He raised up William Miller in his time, and he wants to raise up in our time to give that same message, the loud cry, so that Jesus can come. And the reason why I speak about the mistake of Moses, the mistake of William Miller, is because I don't want to see us make the same mistake. The mistake that William Miller made was entirely different than the mistake Moses made. Moses spoke out of frustration. William Miller didn't accept new light. What could it be with us today? It might be something totally different. I don't know what it is. But God has a special message for us, and he's called us to live lives of faith in these last days. And there may be just that one thing in our lives that God has revealed to us, but we're just not willing to give that up. And we may come down to the end of our lives and realize Jesus isn't going to come in our life. Now, I pray that doesn't happen. God can still be merciful to us. He can still save us. But that wasn't his purpose for our lives. God wants us to follow him completely, to get into the promised land and if you have never read the chapter in Patriarchs and Prophets entitled The Death of Moses I would encourage you to read that I was going to read some quotes from that chapter but we're running out of time but I just wanted to close with just a couple of, of thoughts as Moses was just before he died, God took him up onto Mount Nebo and gave him a vision from that time forward all the way down to the end of time. And as Moses was standing there reflecting on his life, he must have felt, was this worth it? Here I've come to the edge of the promised land and of all the millions of people that came out with me, only two are going to enter in. But yet, Ellen White says in page 472 of Patriarchs and Prophets, as Moses reviewed the results of his labor, his life of trial and sacrifice seemed to have been almost in vain, yet he did not regret the burdens he had borne. He felt that he had made a wise decision in choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. As he looked back upon his experience as a leader of God's people, one wrong act marred the record. If that transgression could be blotted out, he felt that he would not shrink from death. He was assured that repentance and faith in the promised sacrifice were all that God required. And again Moses confessed his sin and implored pardon in the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes we may feel that there's one or two other people that are standing with us. And as Moses looked at his life, he felt perhaps it was just Caleb and Joshua that had stood with him. But even if that's so, it's worth it. If we were to live our lives and to go to the grave, it would still be worth it because we have the eternal life waiting for us. And one last thought. Moses was given this vision down all the way to the end of time. And in page 475, starting in the middle of um, the page, Moses saw Jesus lying in Joseph's new tomb. The darkness of hopeless despair seemed to enshroud the world, but he looked again and beheld him coming forth a conqueror and ascending to heaven, escorted by adoring angels and leading a multitude of captives. He saw the shining gates open to receive him and the host of heaven with songs of triumph welcoming their commander. And it was there revealed to him that he himself would be one who should attend the Savior and open to him the everlasting gates. It was worth it. Moses made the right decision. God gave him the opportunity after he was resurrected to come down and minister to Jesus before Jesus died and to welcome him into heaven after Jesus had lived the victorious life that Israel was supposed to live in the wilderness, Moses was allowed the privilege of allowing the true Israel, the true leader, to come into heaven. What a wonderful and merciful God to allow that for Moses. And as we think about what God wants to do for us, as we look down to the very end of time, we read in Hebrews chapter 11 the faith of Moses and his experience starting in verse 39 and these all including moses having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise god having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect In hebrews chapter 11 there are at least two people that are in heaven now enoch who was translated without seeing death and moses who was resurrected So how could they, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise if they're in heaven now? Well, it's pretty pure and simple, and we don't have time to really go into it. But to this day, the sins that Moses committed, the sins that Enoch committed, and whoever else is in heaven have yet to be blotted out in the heavenly sanctuary. And so they're waiting for the time when that happens. And they're waiting for the servants of God down at the very end who will sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. These are the people who will have had their sins blotted out at the end of the investigative judgment. And I pray that I am looking at God's people today who will have that experience. May we be faithful and may we sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb in heaven. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your mercy, for your love, and for how you lived out your life through Moses. I pray that we would be faithful the way Moses was faithful, but I pray that you would enable us to endure into the end so that we will be faithful all the way to heavenly Canaan. Watch over us, be with us, bless us throughout the rest of the Sabbath day. May you come soon. This is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen.